you're listening to Payday, the global payroll podcast from CloudPay. I'm your host, David Barak. Stacy, one of the stats that really stood out to me in your research is that when organizations go through HR transformation, about 9% of them actually decrease the roles in their payroll function. It even gets a little bit higher when you look at organizations outside of North America. When we look at organizations that are focused primarily just in Europe, that jumper jumps almost to 20%. For this special two-part episode, I'm joined by Stacy Harris, the VP of Research and Analytics at Sierra Cedar. Stacy and her team are currently finalizing the 21st annual edition of the HR System Survey. We'll be discussing some of the findings and particularly the impact that changes in HR management and technology are having directly on the payroll function, including on the size, role, and even relevance of global payroll teams today. It's not always that they're reducing staff overall. What we're finding is that they are shifting staff into more strategic roles. And many times they feel that the payroll function doesn't have the capability to make some of that shift. Welcome to Payday. Here's part one of my conversation with Stacy Harris. Hi, Stacy. Welcome to the Payday podcast. Thank you, David. I look forward to uh, sharing some of the insights that we have from the research and uh, speaking with your audience. It's great to have you. And I know you guys are on the brink of releasing another one of your HR system surveys, and they're just so chock full of really interesting information. So before we dive in and really talk about the role of payroll, how it relates to the finance function, the HR function, the various data points that uh, touch all of those functions, can you give us a quick introduction to yourself and your team, what you guys focus on? And then we'll go from there. Definitely, yeah. So I'm the VP of research here at Sierra Cedar. We're a very small group of people um, who uh, run what we call a thought leadership research function at Sierra Cedar, which is a management consulting firm. Uh, The organization has run a single enterprise-wide HR system survey uh, on an annual basis every year for over 21 years. We're in our 21st year now. Uh, We just started a finance survey. We're now in our second year doing that. And, um, and we basically do that research and share that data with both clients, customers, as well as the market as a whole, as, as, a, as a service to the industry um, every year. And, and that's the work that we do. We also do a lot of presentations and, um, you know, benchmarking and uh, consulting where it's available. But the focus is primarily on the research, which I just love um, coming from my backgrounds in both benchmarking and uh, research with Burson & Associates and other organizations and a practitioner before that. It's great to have you on the show. And I know the 21st edition of the survey will be coming out soon. So I think it makes sense to start by talking about where multinational companies have the payroll function reporting. What are some of the advantages of doing it one way or the other? And ultimately, who's managing the data and the governance within those companies? So this is a question we get often, David. A lot of organizations, a lot of people are always trying to figure out where does payroll fit in the HR finance matrix, right? Um, And what we find is that regions don't seem to make as big a difference as you would think. So whether someone's um, got a headquartered location in North America or a headquartered location in Europe or a headquartered location in the Asia-Pacific market, the location of payroll doesn't change dramatically by regions. It does change dramatically based off the type of organization it is and the level of globalization, it seems. So, for example, 
organizations that are government-based. And so government-based of that headquartered location in that headquartered region, what we find is that those organizations generally um, have the payroll function sitting more often in the finance function. About 52% of those organizations have the payroll function sitting in the finance uh, area. And then about 25% have it sitting in HR compared to another 20% with a sort of a what we call combo HR finance ownership. Uh, same thing with nonprofit organizations, particularly nonprofits that are um, focused on, again, a single region, right? Those nonprofits that are focused on a single region, again, generally have finance own uh, the um, payroll function uh, at very similar numbers to what we see in the government entities. Now, where it gets very different is when you look at private and public organizations. Now, private and public organizations tend to be more global as well. And public organizations tend to be the most global of all. And what we find is that public organizations and the largest global organizations by and far generally have their payroll function within the HR function. So about 55% of those organizations have their payroll function in the HR function. Um, and just a little bit under um, 30% have it in sort of a joint combo area. And then we see a little bit more in finance. Private, about the same thing, about 41% of them have their payroll function in the HR organization. And then um, it's about half and half, whether or not they're a combo HR finance or finance for the remaining sort of 60% of the organizations. So generally we see that more global, more of a private or public organization, it's gonna sit in HR, more of a nonprofit or government and more sort of focused on employees in a single headquartered uh, region, they're gonna have more of their uh, finance own payroll. What really caught my attention when looking at some of the survey data is that you're looking at close to 1500 organizations. So that's a really large sample. How many actual employees do you get responses from? This is really interesting. So we get somewhere in the range of four to 5,000 people, individuals who respond to our research on an annual basis. What we're really looking for is companies who are at a point where they're starting to look at systems from an HR technology perspective. And so that gets us to generally somewhere in the range of 1,200 to 1,600. And so this particular survey last year was around 1,300 where this data set came out of, um, where the data that we're sharing of individual companies. Now that covers anywhere in the range of 17 to 21 million employees, which is a very interesting dialogue when you think about it, because that sometimes is more than most technology systems will cover um, at a complete sort of cloud level. We cover a lot of employees across the market. Yeah. and. Just coming back to that discussion of where payroll sits, regardless of where the organization places that function, one thing's true, and that is that the payroll data actually impacts every function. It's going to impact the finance function. It's going to impact the HR function. And those organizations leverage that data. And what's been interesting to see is that strategic payroll departments have used that data as a way to make themselves linchpins within their organization. But one of the stats that really stood out to me in your research was that when organizations go through HR transformation, about 9% of them actually decrease the roles in the payroll function. So what do you think is happening there? And how do you suggest payroll professionals make sure that when HR transformation comes knocking, they're part of the solution and not part of the problem? 
That's an interesting you know, question. And it, it even gets a little bit higher when you look at organizations outside of North America. When we look at organizations that are focused primarily just in Europe, that jumper jumps almost to 20%. Um, and so this gets, this is a very, very sensitive topic, I think, and, and something that oftentimes gets misunderstood. What we're finding is that as organizations go through HR transformation efforts, um, they do reduce the amount of administrative work that goes on in their HR technology environments, particularly if they're moving from a traditional on-premise application to what would be considered a new cloud-based application. And in a cloud-based application, one of the big goals is to shift some of the administrative work to the individual employees and to the manager so that they can do a lot of the work in real time. And oftentimes that feels like then, well, we just don't need as many HR administrative roles, including the payrolls, where they feel like there's a lot of opportunity to reduce those roles. What we're finding when we when we go in and talk to organizations a little bit more about their HR transformation efforts, it's not always that they're reducing staff overall. What we're finding is that they are shifting staff into more strategic roles. And so what they're really looking to do is take a person who understands the data and the capabilities of the technology and the functional aspects of that HR function and elevate that role so that they can actually configure the system, add guidance in how to use the system and the data. And many times what happens, I believe, is that they feel that the payroll function doesn't have the capability to make some of that shift. I think in many cases that is not the case, or in some cases we do find that they've shifted and that those numbers aren't quite caught in the way we look at the data, right? So they're reducing payroll roles, but they might be shifting that person into another role. So those are the things that we're seeing. But there are other related functions that also see significant reductions as organizations go through HR transformation. Can you touch on maybe another two of those and how they're all related? What, what is the set of strategies or what are the problems that ultimately lead organizations to start seeing significant reductions within those roles or functions? Yeah, so, so the other major roles that we tend to see um, reduced during an HR transformation effort that includes a big technology overhaul are reductions in the HR IT infrastructure roles. That actually is a little bit higher than the payroll, so about 10 to 11 percent of IT infrastructure roles get reduced in many organizations. And the other one is the HR generalist role. So in a lot of organizations, we find the HR generalist role somewhere between 8 percent across the board and aggregate. Um, if you're looking at that European market again, our global market, that generally jumps a little bit higher to again that 20% range. And part of what we're seeing is that HR transformation effort generally isn't just about changing technology. It really is about making HR a more strategic function within the organization, ensuring that it adds value versus just reducing administrative effort. And so what we're finding is that as organizations move their technology um, to the cloud, they need less IT infrastructure, so that's less technical people to go in there and help. And they also need less of the generalist or administrative roles where people sort of handhold an employee or a manager through the walking of their processes, right? What they're really looking for are specialists. So where we're seeing an increase in technology roles or an increase in HR roles would be in HR data analytics, talent management, learning and development, um, even in the workforce management area, even system support where people have to give more strategic perspective on what's happening with that technology. Those are all roles that are increasing. I think that's a really good way to set up the next part of the discussion in which I wanted to talk to you about the consumerization of enterprise technology. 
and what that means for multinational organizations and even the teams that they build to support their functions. Let's come back to that right after a short break. Stacey, I know you have a weekly show in which you discuss some really interesting data points and really news around HR, payroll, and HCM. Can you tell our audience a little bit about that show? So every week, myself and John Sumster, who is another uh, HR technology analyst, do a weekly HR technology show called HR Tech Weekly. It's on Thursday mornings at 10 Eastern Standard. And it really covers what's happening from uh, who's being hired in the industry, who's getting funding, what mergers and acquisitions, all the big news that happens in the HR technology space. So anyone who goes to HR Examiner can find the podcast called HR Tech Weekly right there on the website. Thanks, Stacy. So that's the HR Tech Weekly radio show, which you can find on hrexaminer.com. Now, let's get back to our show. Before we dive into some of the questions around consumerization of enterprise tech, what is the consumerization of enterprise technology meant for different functions? And then what is the second wave that's coming to multinational organizations? This is a really dramatic change, I think, from the technology perspective. The first wave of what we call consumerization, HR actually went through before anybody else. It's what you generally would call self-service, employee self-service, manager self-service, just the idea of having end users at the point in time of them having the information, enter information where previously would have been written down on a piece of paper and handed to an administrator and they would have filled out the information. That was that was a lot to take in and a lot of organizations struggle with that. We still have organizations who haven't rolled out employee self-service or manager self-service. Um, what we are finding now is what we call a second wave or second phase of consumerization. And this one is even more dramatic because this one isn't just about having end users and managers input information and access information when and where they need it. Now we're talking about something that's a lot more focused on the complete user experience the utilization of data and the opportunity to think about the technology as a tool in your business, not just a, you know, a, a very fancy notepad, right? And so what we're finding is that in those organizations that have really basically embraced the consumerization model, what they're really using the technology to do is improve the employee experience, improve the manager experience, and improve the consumer, the client and customer experience in some way. A really great example of this would be something like marketing. When we look at a marketing function, previously used to just send emails out to everybody or send direct details about a sale or an information they wanted in an ad or a flyer, right? The idea of marketing actually interacting with the consumer or interacting with the buyer was was very foreign. Everything was sort of done on the back end. The marketing team would focus on all the, the things they thought they knew about that buyer. And then they would send out a, a, a very static sort of a piece of information. Now what's happening is a very interactive approach to the buying process. We've all been through it. We know what Amazon purchasing is like, or you know what online purchasing is like. Now the marketing function has to basically put out a series of environments that the end user works through 
inputs data in, gives feedback to, walks through those experiences that the consumer um, has is part of the marketing process that so they're gathering continuous data. And now that data gets used in adding new experiences and new touch points. That's what we call the next phase of consumerization. So it's not about just gathering data or having a better user experience. It's about really creating experiences where people feel like they are getting value out of that experience. That's what the, the next wave of, ex of what we would consider consumerization is. And when I look at the results from your recent survey, if I'm looking at this correctly, there was 23% of larger organizations were looking to replace their HR application, 12% of medium and 12% of small organizations. Is consumerization and self-service a big part of that driver? It really is. You know, what we're finding is that at this point in time, organizations are are not making a shift because their systems aren't doing the job. Actually, about 60 to 70 percent of organizations feel that their current HR technology, no matter what it is, um, meets their business needs. Right. What? The reason they're making the change is because they're trying to create an environment where they get more value out of it. And to get more value out of it, they have to create this new consumerized model where the employee is interacting with it, putting in data, filling out information, getting data back to help them make better decisions. That data is constantly being evaluated and reviewed. It's it's a, the best way to think about it is almost like an ecosystem, like everything sort of works together, right? Um, that's the kind of environment that people need to create to be able to work in the next generation of uh, business. I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Sierra Cedars, Stacey Harris. In part two of this conversation, we dive deeper into the consumerization of enterprise technology and what that means for payroll, HR, and finance teams today. Coming up on the next episode of Payday. Make sure you don't miss new episodes of the Payday Podcast by subscribing either on iTunes or at paydaypodcast.net. I'm David Barak. Thanks for listening.